Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Grain Markets and Other Stuff. It is a special uh, evening edition tonight. I've got Jordan Fife with me. Jordan is an ethanol trader. Jordan, how are you? Yes, sir. Well, how are you doing, Joe? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Um, thank you for uh, spending some time with us tonight. Um, you know, this, this ethanol thing has been very interesting this year, and I figured it would be cool to bring somebody like yourself on and talk to us about ethanol a little bit. Um, we we know that we lost, you know, got to keep in mind that a, a big chunk of the people listening here, are farmers, uh, uh, people involved in, in that sort of thing. And we've lost a ton of demand for corn uh, because of COVID, because of ethanol. And it kind of seems like we have some obstacles moving forward. We're going to get to all that before we get to that. Um, you're an ethanol trader. Tell us what that means. Tell us what you actually do and, and what you have done. Yeah, sure. So uh, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah. Jordan Fife. Uh, I've been trading ethanol for about 12 years now. Um, I was previously with a company called Racetrack Petroleum mm-hmm. uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, they own and operate about 800 uh, independent gasoline stations on the southeast. Uh, all the way yeah we've got racetrack here mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah racetrack in in tennessee for sure um all the way down to chattanooga they're based out of atlanta georgia so i did gasoline trading for them and then um about 12 13 years ago the rfs started which is the renewable fuel standard uh that george w bush put into place to reduce our dependence on foreign oil um and since i had trading experience the uh, my boss wanted me to get into it and figure out what was going on with ethanol uh, I was a young Virginia at the time, obviously. That's the way time works, 12 years ago. And uh, I went to a conference for ethanol, and I fancied myself to be a gasoline trader. And ethanol was young. It was new. It was hip. Uh, and I really uh, liked the people that were in the industry. And so I kind of moved into an ethanol role. And that, at that point, I had moved companies to a company called BioUrgia Trading. Uh, mm-hmm. We are uh, a physical ethanol trading shop. We have a lot of other things under under, under our umbrella grains, metals, gasoline, power, uh, natural gas, uh, some other commodities as well. The ethanol was our mothership, so to speak. That was the first commodity the owner of the company traded. And uh, we got into that. And so we trade everything from rail cars, unit trains, barges. We've done exports, imports. We trade the New York Harbor, Chicago, West Coast, East Coast, and Gulf Coast, and then the Midwest as well. Uh, we probably are one of the top three or four physical ethanol trading shops in the country. So you've actually been in, involved in ethanol, like since the mandate. I mean, the whole, the whole way you've, you've been involved in it. So this is nothing new to you. Yeah, that's right. So there are some guys, obviously, ethanol getting put into gasoline before the mandate. So there's a couple of those guys around. So that like to remind me that I'm yeah. still new on the block that were doing this stuff back in like the seventies with Jimmy Carter. Um, yeah. But I was not. Yeah. But I have been doing it since uh, the renewal standard phase one mm-hmm. uh, ever since then. Yeah. I, I helped at racetrack actually convert stations uh, into ethanol receiving stations to, to have 10%. So we had to change the filters. 
Uh, we had to work with cleaning up the tanks and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And actually dropping first loads of ethanol throughout the Southeast into Texas and everything like that. That was great. Okay. I have our first chart I want to put on the screen here. And this is U.S. corn demand via ethanol. And what we see here basically is that we had you know, some, some pretty nice levels here, 16, 17, 18, 19, a little dip. And then 2020, of course, a, a very, very significant dip. Um, I, I've talked extensively about COVID and how it reduced driving. Uh, what would be your best summary as an ethanol trader? What, what actually happened here? So around March, uh, when we were just figuring out what COVID was, we were just hearing it for the first time the demand you know and you're looking at it from a corn side and that's obviously one of the ways to look at it and it's going to compute about the same on the other side i look at it from a gallon standpoint and Mm -hmm. if you take a year ago today for example just today uh we were doing as a country nine million four hundred thousand barrels a day of gasoline demand uh you fast forward to right now and the last data available from last wednesday from the eia report we were down to seven million six hundred thousand barrels per day so i mean you're talking a dramatic change and the, the chart you're showing with that very scary very bad dot there on the 2020 you got to remember things have gotten better to get to seven million. we were down at like five million the lowest that the eia since they started tracking uh in the 90s ever shown the lowest demand we've ever been as a country so when the shutdown happened like i was saying in march when we just started finding out about COVID and everything uh, demand numbers hit lower than they've ever hit uh and probably lower than they ever hit again uh, the country just ground to a halt. Everyone stayed at home. And uh, subsequently, ethanol is 10% of the gasoline, roughly, give or take. Uh, so ethanol followed suit. When ethanol followed suit, that obviously is going to drive corn uh, usage down. And we had, you know, almost half the plants, not more, in the country just completely shut uh, that were not crushing corn into, into fuel. Uh, and we slowly rebounded. And we've gotten our way back up. And we're, we're pushing up there. Uh, you know, we're, we're somewhere in the nines right now. I think the last report was 991, which was the highest it's been since March, uh, which is good. Uh, but unfortunately, the demand is seasonally, not just COVID, seasonally is adjusting down. Uh, this is the time of year where we have the least amount of, of gas in demand. So kind of pacing ourselves uh, right now in terms of production of ethanol versus gasoline demand. So that's kind of the scary thing here is that we're seeing, and I, I've got the chart on the screen here of weekly production. You see the the big dip here in, on the left-hand side is is about April is when we bottomed. Um, and then this was, was that actually our best print like since March last week or second best? Great. No, I think it, okay. is, it, is, it is our best at 991. Okay, so that's that's good in that, you know, you're a farmer or you're me and you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, we're grinding more corn for ethanol. That's great, right? But then you look at the stocks chart and that kind of turns into like a little bit scarier looking deal because stocks are rising fairly rapidly here. So is is this going to continue this rise in stocks? I I do believe so. And and again, for two reasons. And like I said, for the demand portion of it, I mean, seasonally we are adjusting down for demand like we always do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then stocks, if you were to write uh, a graph that would show like a seasonality over the last five years, stocks during this same period generally also build. Um, Mm -hmm. But are we going to build at a quicker pace? Because the the graph you're showing right there, I mean, that's that's almost a straight up line. Um, And and it needs to start kind of flattening out. We need to have some pullbacks. 
but this is the time of the year, uh, regardless of COVID or not, that we start building stocks. And that kind of pushes us into spring maintenance. Around spring maintenance, there you know people come out and drive more, uh, and then the plants slow down or shut down for a couple of days uh, to do their spring maintenance, and all that kind of aligns itself. And that's usually uh, the last bad bite of the apple, if you will. And we start to then decrease stocks, increase demand. It's getting warmer. People are moving around about, uh, and with you know re to relate it to COVID, you know obviously today was the first day of vaccines. Hopefully around spring we've had. Oh gosh, I'll throw a number out there. I'm not a doctor. Both my brothers we were talking before. They both went to Vanderbilt. They can talk about the you know medical side, all this crap. I cannot. But uh, they uh, they're administering vaccines. We should see demand pick back up. Hopefully something close to what we were that at nine million something barrels a day, and uh, that would really support the ethanol industry as well. So has has the COVID deal? I mean, as as somebody trading ethanol every day, I mean this has has this has been like the biggest deal in the world for you guys these last eight, nine months now. I mean, I mean, you got your day-to-day -day stuff, but in terms of, of the general direction of uh, the ethanol market, demand, all that stuff, I mean, this COVID thing is, is the biggest thing out there, is it not? No, without question. You know, we saw, we saw flat price ethanol and crush margin get to levels of which, you know, in the 13 years or so I've done this, I've never seen. And I don't believe you'll ever see it again. You had negative 30 board crush, you had 70 cent ethanol. Uh, now, at the same time, you had 70 cent ethanol, you had negative crude. So it was a it was a wild trading uh, uh, environment there for a little bit, but yeah, that first graph you showed where you had you went from you know uh, ten thirty six ten forty six production levels down to five hundred. Um, you know you had giant corporations you know shutting ethanol plants. Your ADMs of the world, your Valeros of the world. These are, are massive corporations, but they had to shut. I mean, it's it's, it's no fault of their own. Um, they have they have basically endless money, and they were shutting these things down. So. Um, that means a lot of different things, but, you know, specifically there's small one-off ethanol plants that are 50 million gallons and stuff like that. Guys like that are way more adversely affected than these giant companies. But uh, yeah, for, for the last, gosh, since March, it's, it's every trade we do probably has a, a seasoning of COVID on it. So I'm trying, I was trying to get the seasonal chart of ethanol production up, but in, in any case, so we, we know what's happened. I mean, we've lost, a tremendous amount of corn demand. We're not using as much ethanol. Um, when we look out into, say, the next couple of weeks and then the first quarter of 2021, what are what are ethanol operations looking at? I mean, are they looking at positive margins? Are they looking at negative margins? Is it, is it terrible looking? Is it better looking? It's unfortunately not great right now. Um, we had we had trended in the right direction, and, and you're touching on it there. You know how this was the uh, highest trend we've had since March. We were trending in the right direction. Stocks were not growing, um, and if they were, it was kind of negligible. We were at historically low numbers in stocks actually uh, for quite a long time before this uh, uh, this ramp up here. Uh, demand was coming back, um, but for all the reasons we just previously mentioned about you know demand is tapering off this winter, uh, and because we're in a pandemic. Um, the margin in Q1 and Q2 uh, closing at the closing bill today, uh, Q2 was approximately minus 15 cents on a board crush. And mm. Q1 was about minus 19, minus 20. Those are historically bad numbers. If you took the last nine months out of the, out of, out of the equation, it would be about the worst we've ever seen on mm -hmm. the board curve. Uh, now, uh, that's the negative side. It's pretty negative. But on the positive side, DDGs, uh, are contributing a lot to the margin. 
Um, and depending on the corn basis in the area you're in, some of these ethanol plants, I, I speak to some uh, that are, are reporting that they actually have a positive uh, actual margin because of the DDGs they were able to lock in forward in the quarter uh, and cheap corn basis that they're able to lock in. Now, you guys are trading corn a lot more than I am, but we know that cheap corn basis is kind of the uh, the exception, not the rule right now with the export uh, uh, situation we have going on with corn. Uh, so there's a pretty good bid in a lot of places uh, for, for ca- uh, uh, cash corn. Um, so long story short there, Unfortunately, right now, the crush margin in Q1 for prompt Q1 and Q2 is, is almost as negative as I've ever seen it, minus the minus 30 and the uh, the grips of the pandemic in March and April. OK, so then to, to go back to some of these charts like this weekly ethanol production chart where we just saw our best print since um, since March, um, is this something that, in your opinion, ultimately starts going back in the wrong direction for us, meaning that we start seeing lower weekly output and that this is kind of a lagging deal here. Is that what we're dealing with? Yeah, you know, I, I would say quickly, yes. And the reason why is because, you know, all markets are eventually rationally, in my opinion. Uh, demand's got to reach uh, uh, production or production's got to reach demand. It just depends on which one you believe happens first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe it's going to be a bumpy kind of ugly Q1. Uh, just because the band generally, like I said, very uh, poor in that that quarter, regardless of a pandemic. Um, but coming out Q1, you know, the vaccine's rolling out. People are are all excited to get around and move and go see their family and loved ones. You could have a pop in demand there. It's spring. Maintenance is going to occur. Maintenance always occurs uh, in these plants. So you're going to have a little bit of downtime on that. Um, and then hopefully everything is back to as normal as it can be. And uh, we start turning in the right direction. I, I do think we've probably seen the high on uh, production for probably the next three months at that 991. Um, I will say I was dead wrong about this last uh, uh, last EIA uh, report that came out. So take it with a grain of salt. But we track a nat gas model that shows uh, how much nat gas each plant is pulling in. Mm-hmm. We ran it again. We run it every day. But we ran it this morning, and again, we showed uh, nat gas usage off about 5%. And that's across about 155 plants that we track. Um, so we are showing the nat gas slowly regressing uh, in our model. Then we put that into our S&D model. Uh, and then that, uh, along with, I believe that that 7.6 we were talking about, 700,000 barrels of demand is probably the low you're going to see. That, that was abnormally low. Um, and mm-hmm. I talked to people... Uh, that have uh, uh, gasoline shorts. We have a gasoline, you know, uh, trading desk in our, uh, in our company. Um, they are showing an increase in demand, uh, even from seven six. So if you average it at about seven eight to uh, eight million barrels per day of demand of gasoline, take ten percent of that, and then you take about a ten percent reduction in ethanol production across the board. Um, you don't build it, as long as you're exporting more than say sixty to seventy a day. Uh, and your S and B model. If you have all that in there, it's pretty simple math. Uh, we're not in a really bad place. So then the crush margin for everyone, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Crush margin for all the plants should improve if that happens. So five to ten percent reduction in uh, 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 overall production for ethanol, and then an increase of like two percent in demand, and uh, you actually look pretty balanced. So it sounds really scary. Everything I said before, I just said that it does. It's not a, it's not an unattainable goal to drop 10%. It's just really not. 
um, across the board. And it's been done, I mean, they cut it by, shoot, 75%. Um, we don't need to do that again. Uh, we, just need, we just need a little bit of pullback in production with margins this negative. I think it's unavoidable. So let's say we get to, you know, summer 2021 is, is the best summer ever and everyone's got a COVID vaccine and we're back to normal. We're back to driving. What kind of lag time is there um, until ethanol production gets back on track with, along with like gasoline demand? Is it, is it a week of lag time? Is it a month? Is it two months? Uh, does it, does it vary? It, it, it depends on if you're asking like just, if a, if a plant is what's known as cold idled, um, and right now a, a good example of that is ADM Columbus or ADM Cedar Rapids. And those are also massive plants. Now they have a dry yeah. and a wet mill. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you have a, a cold idled plant to take all the way down to all the way up, it depends on the engineers that are working on the plant. It depends on how much maintenance has been going on while the plant has been cold idled. Um, there's also what's known as a hot idle, which is when they're running liquids to the pipes and everything like that. Um, but if you're in cold idle, um, I've been told, not an engineer, uh, but talked to a lot of them, it's very difficult to bring them back online in very cold weather. So Columbus, Nebraska, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, obviously, uh, could be pretty cold at the end of Q1, right? I mean, still could be. But once you get to Q2 spring, you bring them back on. Um, they try to bring them back on and take them back down and to bring them back on and take them back on because all the steam production and everything like that. Um, and then they just try to get in a constant state. It's anywhere from a month two months but two months is really the exception not the rule if you've got good engineers that have been working on it the whole time you could probably do it in just under a month um, Mm -hmm. to get everything back online and grind everything like that that's if you don't have anything like really blow out uh any kind of turbine or anything like that hammer mills or anything any of the big equipment goes down and then you got to order it and get it replaced and that's just going to take more time so i guess kind of what I hear you saying, and you know, if, if you had to project out the next six to eight months, we may see some lower ethanol production here for two, three, four months, but but there's some light at the end of the tunnel potentially. Absolutely. I, I honestly believe that. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've said the same uh, to my friends in oil and gas here in Houston that were all depressed and it was $30 oil. I think yeah. the bottom's, I think the bottom's in. I honestly yeah. do. Um, I think the bottom's got to be close on crushed margin for ethanol. Um, because it's just not as bad as it was last time we went to negative 30, uh, and we had to cut a heck of a lot more than 10% of the production, you know, and we did yeah. as an industry and ethanol deserves a great pat on the back. I know it seems like there's a lot of, you know, I've, I've read a lot of the stories and there's a lot of bad press about ethanol plants pulling corn bids, but it could have been mm-hmm. a lot worse if they would have kept grinding with no demand. And we saw it in oil. I mean, I don't think whatever gone negative i don't just i don't believe it's possible there's too many levers to pull before it gets to there but you saw what happened when oil didn't slow down fast enough it went negative i mean that's insane it's crazy yeah um and ethanol really they reacted quick and if i I, next time or i'll send you the graph you can share them wherever you want but if you look at how fast production on ethanol decreased versus how fast uh oil production at the wellhead and refinery uh, uh, production for, for gasoline, it was a stark difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, ethanol really did a good job of, of getting getting their act together. Um, and I think it saved a lot of money and a lot of people's jobs in the industry in the long run. We have a new administration uh, headed to the White House, the way that it looks. Um, what do you see in regard to uh, policy potentially 
as we move forward with with a Biden administration versus Trump? Is is there any major change coming? I know that they've delayed the uh, the the volumes for next year, correct? Yeah, they just released uh, that today. Uh, that they uh, haven't uh, uh, finalized them all. The only thing, I mean, if you kind of work backwards and forwards on on what would be the biggest difference, and I always I've said this on Twitter a million times. I honestly don't mean to be political at all. Uh, I try to avoid the political Twitter sphere. It's a, it's a good idea. It's, it's good policy. It's, it's not for me. Um, you know, I'm I'm more of a, a you know couple of Miller High Lifes and and argue at a bar kind of guy about politics. But that's just there you go. Uh, but uh, jokes aside, under uh, the Obama administration, um, there are about eight small refinery exemptions. And under Trump, that swelled, and I'm not trying to play favorites here at all. I'm just saying that's a fact. Uh, I think there were, it was like 80-something uh, small refinery mm-hmm. exemptions. Um, and he got Carl Icahn involved and got through it, and, and the EPA was very non-friendly to ethanol. Um, and really all that did, not all that did, is the main thing that, that those small refinery exemptions did was they drove RIN prices down. Um, RIN prices were uh, uh, RIN prices right now are sixty nine and a half cents, and RIN prices a year ago, uh, before it was projected projected that Biden would be our president, were about eighteen cents. Hey Jordan, um, if if somebody's listening and they don't want and they don't know what RINs are, I'm sure there's at least one person. Explain in thirty sure. seconds what what RINs are. When ethanol is distilled, every gallon gets. What's Called a renewable identification number. The reason for that is so that they can, uh, oil refineries can prove that they have met the RFS, the renewable fuel standard. So they have to retire X amount of RINs uh, uh, versus their obligation. Their obligation is calculated by how much refining they've done and how much they've imported. Uh, and so these things are now traded. And the value of the RIN, uh, once I, like I said, Trump had ICON on, ICON owns a refinery. Um, and RIN prices had exploded uh, coming into the Trump administration. So all, all of the oil guys were very upset about this, and they're trying to find a way around it. But they would un- have to undo the law of the RFS, which would take Congress, which would take uh, the president and vice president. And we all know that uh, uh, there's a lot of states that like the RFS, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, Indiana, the Dakotas, Minnesota. You know, I could just keep on and on. All the ag states. So no one's going to undo the law. It just wouldn't be done. So they found a workaround. They called it the small refinery edition, and uh, they just handed them out to everybody. The RIN price plummeted. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, I worked in retail uh, before I worked at a trade shop. And I, I can promise you that if you're an independent retailer, uh, the RIN price being over a dollar absolutely affects at what cost you sell higher blends of ethanol, E15, E85. You can give some of that away, and you can outprice an oil major, which is how often do you get to say you have a, a benefit on an oil major? It's rare, right? Mm-hmm. And the oil majors didn't like that. And uh, so now the RIN price has gone uh, back up because it looked like I'm going to be in there. And the reason why is the trade is looking at it and saying, okay, Obama did this. I will probably do it as well. It cut the small refineries. Uh, the RIN price will go up and that will eventually uh, drive higher blends of ethanol uh, through uh, E85 and E15 and people being able to discount it because of the RIN. I know it wasn't so, that's as fast. <laughs> it's it's not it's not the the most simplistic concept in the world. It's not. But, um, I know it's not. So, I mean, long story short, Joe Biden, good for ethanol or bad for ethanol? I, I don't think he's any 
necessarily better or worse um, for ethanol. You know, at the end of the day, um, he's probably about the same. He's probably going to be a little bit better on RENs, and that might be able to push you a couple percentage more in your blend uh, than under Trump. But I, I don't think it's a huge landslide. You know, Trump did give E15. Let's not forget that. Um, that was a win for ethanol. Um, and so uh, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a negligible difference, but maybe we get a little bit higher blends and that's about it. All right. I'm going to go out to the future now because uh, you answered all my questions very quickly and efficiently. Um, <laughs> uh, you met, We talked uh, before we started that uh, Tesla or Elon, Elon just moved to Texas and yep. um, big buzz around electric vehicles, of course. Uh, it's been that way for a while. Uh, yep. Do you see yourself working in ethanol in 20 years? I sure hope so. Um, I think uh, not only, I think ethanol, again, you know, another comeback for ethanol. Ethanol, people are just learning about the, the byproducts of it that are, are beneficial. One of them uh, is obviously hand sanitizer, stuff like that, right? I mean, this is not mm-hmm. just fuel. Uh, we all, well, at least in my family, we, we enjoy a good stiff drink. Beverage grade has really picked, uh, uh, picked us up uh, in some times of woe. Uh, sure. And then you're looking at the vaccine. We're talking about that. How do you make dry mm-hmm. ice? Ethanol, like plants are helping. So, you know, there, there's more than just fuel. But then to take it to what is the biggest component, what is the biggest byproduct of turning uh, uh, corn into booze? And it's it's fuel. That's, that's a fact. Um, and, and we're finding uh, that if China doesn't want to uh, import a lot, we're going to have probably a wall of how much we're going to be able to export. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, the, the projections I've read and looked at for, you know, 10 to 20 years is is somewhere like 25% total saturation of the market. Um, look at California, for example. And I'm not picking on California. I enjoy going there. Um, but it's got its deficiencies when it comes to, like, power. Right now, they're having, like, rolling brownouts and stuff like that. Yeah. You can't keep the lights on. And they're giving away power for, like, a Tesla at uh, a Whole Foods or something like that. That eventually changes. You know, this is going to become commoditized in a way that people haven't really thought of ways to do. Um, you're going to have to be able to pull over and fill up your Tesla and pay for it. And right now, they don't know how to do that. And like I said, in California, they're having brownouts. What happens if you can't charge your car because you don't have power? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know. I, I, I have a hard time seeing how the infrastructure of gasoline uh, and ethanol are, are, are surpassed by an aging and, you know, uh, much-needed updated power grid um it can't it can't do it all right now it just can't um there's just not enough so at worst case you know we could lose in my opinion 25 percent of, of the driving fleet in the next 20 years and that's that's still terrifying um but mm-hmm. then there would still be plenty of room for for oil gasoline and, and ethanol um in there you know again there's pipelines um uh, there's there's terminals there's uh, gas stations that have all built their entire infrastructure infrastructure and logistics over this um, if things get cheaper, you know, internal combustion engines could be, uh, uh cheaper than a, uh, a Tesla or something like that. Um, so that's yeah. a big thing is the cost. I mean, that people don't realize, you know, they're, they're pushing these electric vehicles, but I mean, we've got a lot of oil and oh, yeah. we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of corn and, and oh, it's, yeah. it's not running out anytime soon. No, no, no. And again, the infrastructure is all there. It's built. You don't have to do anything yeah. different. It's there to service us right now. Um, you know, the amount of times you run out of gasoline is, is few and far between. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I just think that it's going to be a competitive, uh, it's not just going to be oil is going to roll over and, and, and give it up and corn and big ags, not either. Um, everybody's just got too much message. 
what do you think about, or, or do you have any opinion or do you guys study uh, like environmental type impacts? I mean, there's, there's certainly a group of people in politics who would love to do away with all fossil fuels. We know that um, that probably doesn't happen, but is, is that something that, that you guys focus on? No, you know, I mean, I read about it like everybody else, but I, I wouldn't claim to be an expert in that field at all. You know, you're not trading uh, ethanol based on uh, based on the idea that fossil fuels are are going to be written out of out of the law or whatever. No, no, no. I, I, I you know, might be an uh, unpopular view, but I've always looked at uh, as big oil as big ethanol's biggest customer. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. You have to sell to those guys, and you have to you know, get along with them and everything like that. I mean, I live in Houston and I lived in, and I worked in gasoline prior, but there is kind of a weird thought sometimes in some circles of ethanol um, that it's like us versus them. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's the biggest customer right there. Um, and I, I, mean, yeah. I, I deal with every major in the company, in the country uh, and sell ethanol to them. And they don't really view ethanol in a, in a negative light. It's more of like a, an additive um, because, you know, I don't know if most people know, but gasoline that is refined in the country almost all of it is sub octane and that means it's like 83.7 octane mm-hmm. um, you can't put it in your car and run it if you put that in your car and run it it will break down uh you have to add an oxygenate boost and uh ethanol is you know extremely high octane um and i used to use what's called mtbe um i used to have that for methyl tributyl ethylene maybe don't quote me close enough it's good yeah why not but that was like poisoning groundwater and stuff so it's illegal now uh, so again, like you need ethanol for gasoline yeah. and, you know, ethanol needs big oil. The two kind of go hand in hand. And, uh, you know, you, when you add ethanol to 83.7, it boosts the octane and now it's a sellable, uh, uh it's a sellable thing. And the, it's cheap octane. You can't get a cheaper octane in the world right now, even if, uh, they made it synthetically refinery. That was very good. Jordan, do you have anything else to add? Because, uh, you ad- answered every question I had, uh, in in a very good in a very good way that was understandable i think well no no i mean i, I like i said i really appreciate you having <clears> me um i always uh enjoy talking about the ethanol industry um i can tell you that know, you do no i really it's 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 you know it's it's, it's all i got right now joe no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh i the, the, the industry welcomed me when i was young and and you know i've been able to do well and um you know not ahead of the desk of trading and uh this is all I do all day is talk to, you know, brokers, traders, uh, and just try to put together what makes sense in ethanol. Um, so if anybody ever has any questions or anything like that, I'm on Twitter. You can follow me. Joe probably tweeted it out earlier. Um, I did. I, I, I answer a bunch of questions. Uh, the DMs open. So if you ever have anything, like I said, this is all I do all day long anyway. So I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. Jordan. Thanks buddy. I appreciate it. Hey Joe, have a great night, man. I hope we don't have another uh, ethanol disaster to talk about anytime soon. But uh, if we do, you're going to be the man. No, let's let's scratch that next time I'm in town to see my parents. I'll swing by and grab a beer. That sounds like a much better plan. Jordan, thank you very much. Uh, Everybody who's watching, thank you for tuning in. Uh, We'll catch you next time.